on? No, no, the the colored, colored. Good morning, everyone. It gets so quiet sometimes. It's wonderful. Amen. Good morning to everyone also tuning in online. And, and I don't know if you, you know that we have people all over in different parts of the U.S. and occasionally out of the country that watch our service with us and part of the family, so... <laughs> Are you all tuned up and ready to worship this morning? Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray and get into a time where we're just singing to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for the, again, the, the ability to come together and worship you freely. Father, we want to cast all of our cares upon you this morning. We know your word says that you care for us. God, um, just bless this communion Sunday with your presence. Um, we just thank you for moving in our midst, speaking to us, ministering to us. Father, in this time that we take to give you praise and worship through song, God, I pray you would uh, minister to each one of us, God. Um, we need to meet with you on a real basis, not just sing songs. So come and move in our midst and uh, do something that only Holy Spirit can do this morning in us. Father, is, is even as we begin this time of singing, we know that all the obstacles that we're facing, God, we can't face them uh, without you. In fact, the battle truly just belongs to you. So, Father, come help us to know that. Help us to walk in that. And uh, help us to keep um, dying to self and pulling back our own reins and letting you uh, have the battle and take care of it, Lord. In Jesus' name, anyone said? Let's stand. Against me, 
Sunday. And as we continue to worship over these next couple of songs, I'm just going to encourage you to come as you feel led, and you can come with your group or alone, but come and come and have communion with the Lord. 
at whatever time seems right. We'll be doing still a couple more songs, worshiping him, and you can come down either side of the aisles and just take your the juice and the, and the bread and you can take it back to your seat or take yours to somebody else and share it with them. I'm going to pray for the elements and we're going to keep worshiping. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus, God, to be the perfect sacrifice for us, that the blood of the perfect Lamb of God could be spilled to forgive, not just to pass over, but absolutely wipe out, remove, cleanse, forgive all of our sin. We thank you that the body of Jesus that was bruised and beaten and broken for us, that in those stripes that he bore is our healing. We thank you for the body the blood of Jesus that allows us to be here this morning.
don't know if you've noticed the theme this morning, but it's about God's love and his redemption. The next song that we're going to sing, Run to the Father. I don't know what your conversion was like or if you've had a conversion, but mine was very, very um, bold. And when I finally submitted to the Lord, this next song really pours out that feeling when you go from deep darkness into the light of the Lord and you finally let your sins be healed. This is how it feels. So if you haven't gotten there, it's glorious. I invite you to go there to accept the Lord. And if you haven't been there and visited that time in a long time as you sing this song, think back to what the Lord did for you.
understand I can't comprehend All I know is I need you I run to the Father I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding No reason to wait My heart needs a surgeon My soul needs a friend so I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, 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 feel like there's some people in here this morning that need to run to the Father. And I'm not sure what's holding you back this morning. But the Lord wants to release you from all of that so you can freely run to Him. If you're holding on to guilt and shame, He's the only one who can remove that guilt and that shame from you because when he sees you he sees his son he doesn't look at you 
in your sin, but he looks at you through the lens of Christ. By running to him, you receive that, that lens. And he sees the righteousness of Christ. And you can get forgiven. You can get set free. You can get redeemed. You can have a new starting point today, fresh. Whether you're, you've been in Christ and maybe something's come up and you feel far from him or maybe you've never accepted him and asked him to be your Lord, whatever the case is right now, run to the Father. Tell him, God, I'm coming to you and I need you. I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from unrighteousness. Let the purifying blood of Jesus purify me right now. Don't look at me through the lens of my sin, God, but see me through what Jesus has done because I receive his sacrifice. I'm tired of striving. I am so, so tired this morning. Make me new. Change my thinking. Change the way I lean on myself and my own wisdom. Change me from the inside out, I pray, because I cannot do this on my own. Jesus, I thank you that because of you, I can run to the Father and he receives me. each week in some form or another, but before you're seated, keeping in this even mode, find somebody and say, aren't you glad that the Father receives you? I sure am. Amen. How y'all do oh, How y'all doing? <laughs> well, welcome to the Journey Church. We're so excited to have you. Hey, if you're visiting for the first time, we would love to get connected with you. One way that you can do that is by filling out the connection cards that are in the front pockets of the seats. And then you can put those in the tithe and offering boxes in the back of the room. So I have kind of a, a few announcements for you guys. First one is, um, if you like snacks and you like to bake things or bring things, 
Um, we have a couple spots left throughout the month where we need people to bring snacks. The clipboard to sign up for that is um, in the hallway right above the snack table. So you can sign up right there if you don't mind, if there's a week that you're available to bring some snacks. The next announcement I have for you guys is we have our baptism, our annual baptism that's coming up August 28th, which is a Sunday. And I think I talked about this a little bit last week. You know, when we get baptized, it's our outward expression of our inward faith. And we're dying to our old self and becoming new again in who Jesus is. It's like we're putting on his jersey, which I think is kind of cool. So if you would like to get baptized, please connect with Pastor Rob. Or if you're a student that wants to get baptized, please connect with me. And we'll make sure to do that. That's also a potluck. So once again, if you like to cook, please uh, bring some food. Or if you don't like to cook, there's always bags of chips or sodas that you can bring as well. So the place for that is to be determined still. So we'll, we'll let you know as soon as we know. The next announcement, um, we have our Labor Day yard sale, which is the Illuminate Youth Group fundraiser that's coming up. And so we need help setting up for that, which would be the Thursday before because we do the yard sale Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then we all as a church body get together and clean up on Sunday if you're available to do that. And then we have hot dogs and hamburgers together. So it's a good time of fellowship as well. If you have stuff that you would like to donate to the yard sale, we can also do a tax write-off letter for that. And if you could bring that stuff that Thursday before, that would be the best just because um, we don't have a ton of stored areas for us to keep everything that's donated. So if you are available to help with that, please let me know, um, especially we need some strong people that can help with unloading all this stuff, bringing it out, and then we need the organizers. So God's given us each a gift, and we can all apply that somewhere in the yard sale. Please. <laughs> um, the next announcement is that we have our men's retreat that's coming up, which I believe is the, the, the last week of September, I think it is. Um, and so if you're interested in joining that, um, I think they go fishing, they eat food together. It's an amazing opportunity for the men to fellowship. And so you can connect with Pastor Rob or Mickey Hall. Um, I know he's not here today, but you can connect with him. I think that's all the announcements that I have. So real quick, I'm going to read. We're going to move into our time of tithes and offerings. But I wanted to read to you my devotion. <laughs> And I thought it was kind of fitting. It talks about God's peace. And sometimes when we're talking about finances, we need God's peace. Am I right? Would you agree? I know I do. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to read this really quick for you guys. It says, understanding will never bring you to peace. That's why I have instructed you to trust in me. This is as if Jesus was talking to you. Not in your understanding. Human beings have a Ver voracious appetite for trying to figure things out in order to gain a sense of mastery over their lives. But the world presents you with an endless series of problems. As soon as you master one set, another pops up to challenge you. The relief you had anticipated is short-lived. Soon your mind is gearing up again, searching for understanding or mastery instead of seeking me, your master. The, sorry, it's so tiny I can hardly see it. The wisest of all men, Solomon, could never think his way through to peace. His vast understanding resulted in feelings of futility rather than fulfillment. Finally, he lost his way and succumbed to the will of his wives by worshiping idols. My peace is not an elusive goal, hidden at the center of some complicated maze. Actually, you are always enveloped in peace, which is inherent in my presence, 
As you look to me, you gain awareness of this precious peace. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our love, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then for 2 Thessalonians 3, 16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. I pray that for all of us as we're thinking of our tithes and our offerings, as we're thinking of the ways that we can be a part of this church body, and as we go through our lives and things that are struggling, uh, that we're struggling with, that we would have the peace of God in knowing that he is right there with us. And if we lean in on him and not ourselves, if we lean in on him when we're giving and we're sowing into the ministries here at the church, we know that he is faithful and good in, in bringing forth what we need. Amen? All right, so let's pray for our tithes and offerings now. Jesus, once again, we thank you so much that you are a good, good father, that you bring peace to those who are struggling and who need it. And even in the, the ways of having to give back, Lord, we trust in you. We know that you are a good father, that you will provide in every way that we need here at the church and even personally, Lord. God, we give you this day. We give you um, our tithes and our offerings and ask that it would be used to glorify you ultimately. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. quick announcement that uh, I didn't give Jesse is uh, if you are on Facebook, um, I would encourage you um, to make sure that you're a part of the Journey Church group page. Uh, the, the, the church, we have two Facebooks. We have the official kind of Journey Church page. That's where we post things, what's going on. The sermons are on that. It's a great way to see that. But we also have a a group page, and that's for uh, talking to one another, uh, announcements about the church, about things that are going on. Um, we don't use it to sell personal items, anything like that, but it's it's about uh, the church. And so there will be times that I uh, post information on, uh, or Jesse, um, about the church or needs in the church. It's a great place to post um, a need for us. And so I did post one this week. There's a woman here locally, Holly. Pierce. She's been up here forever. Um, she was part of our church when she was young with her dad and mom. She's just about my age, I believe, um, about eight or nine years ago. You might remember when we did one of the baptisms up at Cedar Lake, and we had a couple of people show up from the recovery group. Uh, I think it was about nine years ago. Um, it was Holly and a few of the other ladies. She brought, she was bringing to church, and she brought them up to Cedar Lake. We baptized them. Um, and so it's kind of exciting. In fact, um, the reason I'm talking about Holly is she's in need of some um, help and some ministry. And so she was recently, she's had a lot of health issues. She's recently in Riverside at the hospital, and she's looking at her nurse going, you look really familiar. And finally she said, and, and I, I'm, I only met her once when I baptized her, and I never saw her again. And she says, and she said her name. She goes, yeah. 
and, and she was, she had, they had done recovery together. Now this woman's a nurse. She's been clean for nine years. It's exciting. God, God does that to encourage us because Holly had a part in that. So now Holly's at her house. She pretty much could barely get up from bed. Um, she can kind of make it to the, to the fridge um, and to the restroom mostly. And um, we need some, somebody. Meals on Wheels is delivering her meals every day, but they won't bring them into the house. And she can't get her meal from the front porch. So we're just looking for somebody who maybe lives in Irwin Lake who, or a couple people who could just around 11.30 or 12, Monday through Friday. And even if you can only do one of the days, then we'll have one day covered. Just go over and take her meal in. And, um, and if you wanted to stay and chat or something, you could do that. Um, Ten days ago, she was, um, you know, she, she did have COVID. We think she's over that. But, you know, if you just take the meal in with a mask and, and, and leave, you, you know, I think you'll be fine. I was over there and visiting with her for some time without a mask. And anyways, but, um, and, and even if you just feel led to just go sit on her porch and talk to her through her screen door, she's just right inside. She's lonely and uh, she needs a little bit of help. So anyone who wants to do that, just let me know and we'll hook you up. Even if it's just like, you know, I can do Tuesdays or something, all right? It's what the body of Christ is about, ministering to people who, who need it. And um, so that's it. That's it. Amen? So yeah, get on that, that group page uh, if you're on Facebook. Um, and some of you go like, well, I don't want to be on Facebook. There is so, you can be on Facebook, totally make everything private, don't add anyone, don't do anything, but just have the Journey Church as your Facebook group, right? And that's a, that's a way you can do that. And there's some young people who can show you how to do it. <laughs> young people are good for something. <laughs> just a couple of things, but... Uh... <laughs> hey, we're in the book of 1 Corinthians. We are continuing um, our slow journey through this book. Uh, this is Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Uh, remember, Paul sp uh, spent time there. He formed the church. He was preaching in the synagogue. He left, and then news started uh, coming to him about issues in the church, so he wrote a letter um, and dealt with some of it. Then more news came back. Some of the things were not handled, and uh, so he wrote another letter, and that other letter is 1 Corinthians. Um, scholars call the first letter he wrote Corinthians A. We don't have it anymore, but we know it was written. This would be considered Corinthians B, even though it's our first Corinthians. There's um, two more letters, and uh, that's in, in 2 Corinthians. And a lot of people actually think that 2 Corinthians is made up of two different letters that they put together. So a little bit of history. Um, we're still in chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 18 this morning. A couple weeks ago, we talked about um, divisions in the church, how we don't want to be divided over uh, anything we don't want to raise up for ourselves um, people that we follow to the exclusion of the rest of the body. We don't want to say, well, this church is better, I'm better, he's better, they're better, they're horrible. We want to be united in the essentials, right? We want in the essentials, we need to have unity, of course. Um, and in the non-essentials, we have, um, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, we have, we have unity, and then, and then we have, uh, and then the final in all things, we have charity, but it'll pop to me right in the middle of it. So, yes, we want to be united in our main doctrines, and then we, we talked a lot about how in, there's a lot of things that we believe that should not divide us, whether, whether 
you believe in a pre-trib rapture or these things, right? Um, and so that was a couple weeks ago. This morning, uh, we're going to be picking it up at actually 17, even though your Bible uh, probably has a, a, uh, a change at 18. And we're going to read all the way to the end, and we will be talking about this as we go. Um, Does anyone want to read? I mean, who's got a nice voice? All right. I'm going to put... You, you, no, all right, we can... You want to read it, Elise? Hey, on that, on the... the turn on the, one of the microphones that are um, on the cameras there. All right, go ahead and, and read that. Thank you, Elise. Isn't that full of, of so much in there? We, we uh, may not even get to all of it, but we're talking about the worldly wisdom. And so, you know, are we talking about folly or wisdom? What do we want to have? Um, you know, today we are faced with um, so many issues which people disagree, right? It's, not, it's getting worse and worse. It's not hard to find things in which we disagree. It's always been this way, by the way. Many of you were raised in a home where, you, where the rule was, don't talk about politics or religion, right? Because they've always been things that divided. Well, you know, there's always been other things as well, and now there's all these micro um, things that we disagree on. Uh, moral issues are sometimes, and becoming more and more, things that we uh, used to uh, maybe agree on that now we're beginning to disagree on what is good 
and what is evil. Even what the basis of good and evil is, is now being disputed. And we hear things like, well, what's good for you is good for you, and what's good for me is good for me, but don't put your, thing, your beliefs onto me. And, and the problem is when you take that to its extreme, obviously, we are in super big trouble. Um, doctrinal issues are, are something that we disagree with. Um, you know, our beliefs, our doctrines, the, the, our theology. The fact that we had Elise read this morning, some churches you would never find a woman um, even giving announcements or reading a scripture or doing any type of leadership um, in the sanctuary. It's only to be men. They're doctrinal differences, and we disagree. And this goes right back to thing that, you know, we can disagree on that, but we can still love each other and not put each other down. Um, there's been people who've come here and, and they, they believe that way. And I says, you know, you can stay. We'd love to have you, but you're going to have issues because we believe that women have things to offer um, in the sanctuary as well. And so, but I didn't tell them that they were bad for having a different belief, right? But there's these things, doctrinal issues, they divide us, moral issues, they divide us. Um, it's not uncommon to hear um, people talk about their certain authorities either, well, so-and-so said this, and, and we start building up our cases. We saw it in politics a lot. Um, this last number of years, and they were raising up certain politicians, and, and we do that in the church. Well, you know, Stephen Furtick says this, or John MacArthur says this, or uh, R.C. Sproul, or, or different, and we start bringing in authorities, whether it's moral or doctrinal or, or political, um, and these people are, are considered experts, right? I mean, these people that, that people talk about usually are considered experts, at least by some, and sometimes that's the difference. We go, well, you think he's, he's an expert, but I think he's an expert dodo, you know, and we just throw those things around, and, and so there's these people um, that we, we appeal to um, to try to make our case. Um, we, sometimes we even share results of their experiments and research and, and, uh, and all this going on. There is division and there is um, disagreement in here. So a lot of people put faith in, in these authorities, in some of these very wise people. Um, and especially in areas of morality and, and spiritual truth. And, and so what we're here in this message is, is coming as, as believers. Is that a wise thing to do is to put too much emphasis and um, authority in these so-called authorities biblically. We're going to talk about biblically here, and, and that's what this message is. In the, in the text for this, this morning's message, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 31, Paul is warning against the folly of trusting in human wisdom. And that is something we still have to be very careful of today. Uh, human wisdom can sometimes, in the scriptures, lead us astray, and more than that, they can keep us from the truth or receiving Christ. And that's what we want to talk about specifically because um, in these scriptures, it's talking about the, uh, the, the foolishness and wisdom, the folly of people. In verse 18, it says, the word, uh, I'm going to go to 17 and a half. Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of 
eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And he goes on, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This morning, as I said a few weeks ago when we started this, a lot of this, these messages are geared toward people who are saved, to Christians. Now, if you're here this morning and you haven't trusted in Christ, that's great. But, but as you listen, you need to understand what we're talking about is people who have already believed in Jesus, and that is specifically what this message is talking about. Um, and you, if you have not trusted in Jesus or you're having a struggle, you actually could still be one of these people going, yeah, because the whole thing of the cross just doesn't make any sense to me. It's, it's actually foolish. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. It says that Paul, he didn't uh, persuade them with words of eloquent wisdom. It says otherwise, so that, so that the cross of Christ would be emptied of its power. What's he talking about? What Paul is emphasizing in this and the way he would present the gospel was not with just rhetoric and eloquent speaking. Uh, remember, this is Rome emphasized by Greece. They were into rhetoric. They were into Plato and Socrates and these great thinkers who would, there were people who would just stand up on the corner and pontificate. They would just talk and they would share their philosophies and people would go around and go, wow, that is such a great philosophy. And people would just go and listen to all of these teachings and all these philosophies and go, wow, that, I really like that. I really like that. We do that still today. In fact, too much in the church we do that because we go one week and we're going, ooh, I really like Stephen Furtick this week. And oh, I really like John MacArthur. He said something great. And I like this teacher and I like this teacher. And, and we're just kind of listening, going from place to place. But are we being changed? Are we being transformed? This is what they would do. And they would go, oh, I like him. Oh, he's got such wonderful things to say. Well, did, didn't what he say make a lot of sense to you? If it makes a lot of sense, we should just probably follow it. So, so Paul is saying, listen, I didn't come with you in such a way that I persuaded you with eloquence of speech, because if I did that, the power of the cross would be emptied. Well, how is that? This is what I used to, used to say when I did, a lot of, I did a lot of street evangelism and one-on-one. -on -one, you know that cold call stuff? You're just walking up to somebody and saying things like, hey, has anyone ever told you how much Jesus loves you? Do you have a minute where I could explain the gospel of Jesus Christ to you? And, you know, it's always fun to do that and people re react different ways. But here's what I always said. If I can convince somebody, if I can convince somebody that Jesus is the Lord, Somebody who's smarter than me and a better speaker can, can convince them that he's not. Does that make sense? See, if it's just me and I come up with this great argument, well, what about the person who's just a little bit smarter than me? Or maybe just has a little bit better way with words. They can come and undermine what I said and convince them that they're not. And what, what's happened? Did the person get saved in the, by the power of Christ? Or did they get saved? Or if they got saved at all, they just got convinced and went, oh, that sounds like a good philosophy to follow. And then next week, somebody's going to be over there and, they, ooh, that sounds like a really nice philosophy. That, in fact, this one makes me feel better about myself too, so that's a good one. Because that's where we're at today, is, is how does it make us feel? And so Paul is starting out going, that is not what we did. We don't want to empty the cross of its power by 
by just being able to be a good orator. Now, he's in the book of 1 Corinthians, I think he's a little careful not to step on Apollos' feet. Remember, Apollos came in and he did some stuff and people started following Apollos. Well, Apollos was probably actually a better speaker, a better orator than Paul. They, they really liked him. He made a lot of sense. And so Paul is careful not to, to undermine that and say, well, th there's a place for that. But he's really putting out this thing going, this is not what it's about. And he goes on. He says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. God has made foolish the wisdom of the wise. God has made foolish the wisdom of the wise. Con consider the message of the cross. Now, also, I want you to pay a little attention here. It says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. It doesn't say the word of the resurrection. Uh, this was brought to my attention in, in, in studying this. He didn't say the word of the resurrection. He didn't say the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He actually specifically says the word of the cross is folly. There's a huge difference. The idea of a resurrection is, is pretty cool, right? You've got somebody who rose from the dead. That's like, wow, you know, and that, that's pretty neat. Um, the whole gospel message is, is amazing. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But Paul is specifically tuning in on this one part, the cross. Why? Because the cross is folly. It's foolish in the eyes of everyone. When the Savior, and I'm not just talking about Christian Savior, you think of, of a book and there's a Savior, right? There's always a Savior in, in, in a lot of these novels or books. When they come in, they come in as the hero. They don't come in and die. They don't die. And they definitely don't get charged for crimes and get crucified in such a way as Jesus did. The whole thing of the cross was... was wrong to both Jews and Greeks. It really was folly. We've talked here a number of times that we're so far down here in the story that it's just part of the story and it's all good for us, for most of us. Well, there's a, there's a few reasons. One, we are really far removed for it, but another big, the biggest reason that it's okay for us is because you've accepted Christ. You've had an experience with the power of God, and now this stuff is like, yeah, the cross, the resurrection, it all, somehow it all makes sense. But Paul's kind of reminding us, outside of Christ, it doesn't. I see people on Facebook sometimes going, so you want me to believe in a guy who got nailed up to a piece of wood? And you go, that does sound kind of silly, doesn't it? The message of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. See, if, if Jesus wouldn't have done the things that he did, we wouldn't know if he was the Lord. Let me explain it, how even Jesus said it. Remember when, when um, he was about to heal somebody, and before he healed them, he said, 
your sins are forgiven. And everybody freaked out. Right? Your sins are forgiven. It was, whoa, who is this man who forgives sins? He says, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to be healed? Rise up and walk. And a lot of people don't, don't follow the reasoning behind that. They say, well, it's easier to say, you know, be healed. I'm like, it's not easier to say be healed because you have to prove it. If somebody's got a physical thing, blindness or lameness, and you say be healed and they still can't see, it didn't work, did it? But Jesus, in that rhetorical question, which is easier, what was easier to say is your sins are forgiven. You know why that's easier to say? There's no proof. There's no proof. It's like me going to somebody, I see that you have cancer. Wait. Be healed. It's gone. Isn't that great? I, I just healed somebody of cancer. And you can't prove it. So Jesus said, Be, your, your sins are forgiven. They're like, huh? He says, so that what is he? he says, your sins are forgiven. Then he says, to show that I have power to forgive sins, be healed. Then he's healed, and they said, wow, he's got power to heal somebody, so he also must have power to forgive sins. To those who are being saved, it's the power of God. The message of the cross. Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He was crucified, rose again on the third day, ascended to the right hand of the Father, sent His Holy Spirit, sent His disciples out to preach the gospel. Through them going originally and preaching the gospel, we're here today the whole message is there is power in the name of Jesus. If he wasn't crucified, we know that the Old Testament said that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. That the life of the creatures is in the blood and that without the shedding of that blood, there is no forgiveness of sins and that there was a need for a perfect lamb, a perfect sacrifice in Jesus was the Lamb of God who was crucified. He was an innocent person put to death so that us guilty people could be forgiven. We know that. For us, the message of the cross isn't folly. It's the power of God for us to be able to say, I know that God had the power to forgive me because I didn't deserve it. Who's ever been let off for a speeding ticket? A couple times. <clears throat> Aren't you happy for the power of that officer in the moment to declare you free to go? Isn't that a wonderful thing? That's a wonderful thing. And, you know, and, and, and if you're like me, there's been times I'm like, I don't deserve this. I once passed a cop. I was doing over 90. It took him a long time to catch me. 
And, and I, I was going to be a cop when I was young. And so I used, to, I used to do these classes, and we used to practice felony car stops. Felony car stops are when the people in the front have committed a felony, and you need them to, you need to control them. And, and so they would do this thing where they would get on their radio, and they would say, driver, turn off your engine. Driver, get out of your car. Here I am on the freeway. By the way, when I passed the cop, he was, he was parked on the road looking the other way. I didn't see him until I passed him. I waved. <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. I looked over, and there he was, and I went. I took my foot off the gas. Actually, I waited a second, and it took him a second to pull around and get back. And I, and I just kind of coasted. I didn't want to put my brakes on and make it that obvious. I was hoping. And I just kind of coasted. It took him at least a mile to catch up to me. Pulled off. I'm sitting in my car. Driver, get out of the car. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I meet him at the back. And he goes, where are you going so fast? He went through the whole thing. Anyway, so we, we, we do this little exchange. And, and he goes, well, where are you coming from? And I says, Big Bear. And he goes, well, I'm out of Running Springs. I'm like, okay, you're friendly and you're talking to me. And he says, do you know? And he gave me his name. Do you know so-and-so? No, I don't. And then he goes, do you know Mike Smith? And it dawned on me what he was doing. He was connecting with me. Well, I actually at the time knew three Mike Smiths. Knew three different Mike Smiths. So I took a shot. Smitty? I'm not going to ask which one. <laughs> Smitty? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I know Smitty. <laughs> we chit-chat a little bit. He says, slow it down. He had the power to say, you're free to go. The message of the cross is that only through Jesus can God say, you're free to go. The scriptures teach us, life teaches us, humanity teaches us that when somebody does something wrong, they need to pay. It is in us to feel that way, isn't it? That's why people are like, he needs to pay. Somebody you know, runs you off the road. Somebody hits your car. Somebody does something. He needs to pay so much that even sometimes as believers, we just want to see somebody pay. Why? Because it's in us. It's ingrained in us. We understand somebody has to pay for the wrong that was done. And only the creator of the world, only God can say, no, I'm taking care of this one. Through Jesus, because see, somebody had to pay for what you did. You put Jesus on the cross. You. That's heavy, isn't it? In fact, if there was nobody else on earth, Jesus still would have had to die just for your sin. That's heavy. I personally have enough sin to put Jesus on the cross. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son 
so that whoever would believe in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ was enough for my sin. And, and I see that it's power of God because I'm not perishing. I see it, but the world doesn't. The foolishness of the message is actually by design. It wasn't an accident. God created in such a way that it would look like folly and we would need to deal with it. Why? So that we would boast in the Lord and not in man. So that we would boast in the Lord and not in man. Verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preached to save those who believe. Does Paul ever confuse you? This is one of those confusing verses. So let's break it down a little bit. For since in the wisdom of God, that means God was thinking this thing through. He had wisdom, and he says, I'm going to do something on purpose with wisdom. And what was that? The wisdom of God says that the world didn't know God through wisdom. God created it in such a way that wisdom isn't what brings you to God. That's weird. Exactly. That's what he's saying. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Remember, the folly is that, that Jesus would come and he would be killed. That's just not the way the story goes. He needs to come and conquer. Remember, remember the throng of people he had following him in, in, in his triumphal entry into Jerusalem before the crucifixion. It was big. Here he comes. Hosanna. Yeah. This is it. Where were they a week later? They were gone. Why? Because it didn't make sense. He was supposed to come in and do something big like everyone else. This is, this is what makes sense. And the cross said, no, this is folly now. And so God says, listen, I'm going to do this on purpose because the wisdom that man would have, that is not what's going to help us to save it. But it says that the, the, the folly of what we preach, that Jesus died for our sins. He didn't defeat Rome in the natural way. He defeated sin in a spiritual, supernatural way to save those who believe. Who believe? Faith. Faith. Belief. It's not just like, well, yeah, I see it, therefore it makes a lot of sense. Okay. No, there's something called faith that we have to have in Christ that this is the real deal. That's why people think that you're crazy. They think you're crazy. Why on earth would you give of your life, give of your time, give of your money to this crazy thing called religion? Christianity, that's why, you notice more and more people are becoming Buddhist? 
It's actually quite a bit on the rise. You know one of the reasons on the on the rise? Kind of makes sense. It's a philosophy. Be nice. Be peaceful. Be loving. And you go, well, yeah, there's a lot of health benefits to that and lots of less stress. And I, that's kind of, I can, that makes sense to me. That's a philosophy. Jesus, he doesn't come and say, be better. He says, I am perfect. Receive that. And then through that, you will become better. You will become, you will do these things out of the inside of you, out of the spiritual side. You will actually be loving and have more peace and do a lot of the same things that Buddhism teaches, but you're going to do it because Jesus saved you from sin. So it's folly to the world, but it's us, it's, it's power, and it, and it makes sense. He goes on. And he, and he talks a little bit. He says, Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. And that was just true that, you know, Jews wanted signs. That's one of the reasons Jesus did so many signs. They were always looking for signs. And then moving out into the Gentile, they were the ones chasing after philosophies and teachings. And that's why Paul didn't go that route. They, 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 some want signs. Some want wisdom. They want these, um, the, the, this great oration. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. Then it says, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. We need to, he does this so that we don't glory in people. We glory in Christ. The stories in the Old Testament, David and Goliath, Daniel in the lion's den, Noah's ark, Moses taking the people out of Egypt, Moses doing all the miracles that he did, striking the rock and crossing the Red Sea and Joshua leading the people through the Jordan River. Aren't they all awesome stories? Unfortunately, sometimes in the church, we lift up Daniel and we lift up Moses and we lift up Joshua and Samson. We lift them up and say, look at this amazing person. That's not the point of the stories. The point of the stories, these guys were failures. They lacked faith, they made mistakes, they married wrong people, they did wrong things, they offered their wives to the, prince, the, to the kings of Egypt. Hey, just say you're my sister, maybe you'll be nice to me. These people were failures. The point is not how good Joshua was, the point is how good God is. It's, we, and, and I tell you, I get it wrong too. Sometimes I might even preach it wrong because we want to say, well, you can have faith like Josh, you can have faith like Daniel. That's a good example. But when it comes down to it, it's not about them. It's about the person they had faith in who does the miracles. So when somebody comes to faith in Christ, it shouldn't be over the person who's just such a good speaker. It should be over Jesus who died for their sins. 
the power of the cross, the power of the message, that's what Paul's getting to. He says, and that just doesn't make sense. Because most people, most faiths, most, again, just, just people in general, we, it's all about me. You know, most leaders, world leaders, religious leaders, there's three things that follow them, isn't there? You know, who, who knows what the three things are that follow most leaders and religious leaders? They always want three things. The gold, right? The girls, and the glory. They always go for the gold, the girls, and the glory. Even Muhammad. All of them. The gold, the girls, and the glory. Jesus got none. It's folly. It doesn't make sense. What's the proof? Come on. Why would we want to follow this carpenter who died? Because the power of God to salvation, because my sins are forgiven. And I know they're forgiven because he rose from the dead. Yeah, and, and this is where it's wisdom isn't wrong. Trusting in only wisdom is where we get in a little bit of trouble. Because you can actually bring in some wise arguments going, well, he says you that he rose from the dead. Yeah, but also says all the apostles who willingly died in their belief that Jesus rose from the dead. Not to mention the hundreds at the beginning and then thousands of people within just 30 and 40 years who were martyred for their belief that Jesus had risen from the dead. They were thrown to the lions. They were beheaded. They were beaten. They were dipped in tar. All because they would not say, I was just kidding. He didn't really rise from the dead. That's all I had to say. Recant. And they didn't. We're standing on the shoulders of the people who really had faith to death. So there is even there is wisdom in our, in our understanding. Some of you came to faith because of stuff like that going, come on, man. The proof's in the pudding. The case for Christ is a great example of that. But the glory shouldn't be in how we present it. The glory needs to be in the Lord. Jeremiah 9, 23 talks about not in our own wisdom, not in our own might, not in our own riches, but in understanding and knowing God who delights in loving kindness and, and judgment and righteousness. Paul, in some of his other letters, he gave a lot of reasons why he could boast in himself. Remember the list? You know, I'm the Pharisee of Pharisees, and I've done this, and I'm a citizen, and I, I've done all this. But, but he says, I count such things as dung. As dung. He, he, like, that's just a human accomplishment. All of that compared to Christ is nothing. Nothing. It's Jesus. All glory to him. That's the wisdom of the cross, which is the foolishness in the eyes of the world. So what do you boast in? You may think yourself wise or strong or self-sufficient for different reason. You might look to even other people to guide you into truth and morality. But it's not to glory in ourselves. 
humility, understanding that it was God who did the work. I, I remember a, a time, it's one of my greatest examples in my life that I saw in humility. We were here at this church, and there was a recently saved man. He was probably at the time, maybe early 50s, uh, maybe late 40s. <coughs> He was a doctor. He was he head of emergency at Loma Linda University Medical Center. Head of emergency. He was no schlep. And he found Christ later in life, around the time that he started coming to this church. He was also a really amazing guitar player. And, and you know, he, he had a lot going for him. And, and, but when he would come to Bible studies, I remember one time in particular, there was a young man, he was 12 years old, he was Pastor Jeff's son. And we were, everyone was just talking about the Bible. And Jonathan starts just talking a little bit like a 12-year-old would about God. Come on, what does he really know, right, a 12-year-old? Doc, leaned forward and listened intently to every word the 12-year-old had to say. He knew that that 12-year-old knew more than he did. It wasn't about his prestige. He just wanted to know Jesus more. That was a wonderful picture. That's how we should be. Let's lean in to Jesus. Let's lean into those who have the words of Christ. Let's, let's be that humble person who says, it's not about me. I, I can't do this thing on my own. Paul talks about, says, not, not many of you were rich, not many of you were wise, not many of you were strong when you were called. And, and because the reason why I think that is is that a lot of people that are wealthy and, and wise and, and strong and all these things, they have a harder time leaving that behind and trusting in Jesus by faith. They spend a lot of time trying to earn it, trying to do it, or trying to, you know, just... Just be it already instead of like coming to, to faith and humbling themselves. You know, we hear people give their opinions and their learned opinions sometimes. And, um, or we hear a, a poll and, and about the majority of the people express their beliefs. And um, we need to remember that God has made foolish the wisdom of the world. See, when it comes down to anything that we're, we're dealing with, we shouldn't be led by the majority rule. We shouldn't be led by how smart and intelligent somebody is. We need to go by, well, what does God say? No matter how intelligent somebody is, no matter how good of a speaker, how much influence or authority they have, whether it's your pastor or another leader, you know, hasn't God made foolish the wisdom of this world? The only true and ultimate source of wisdom needs to be from the Lord himself. Paul said it and I say it. If, if I or anyone else comes to you preaching another gospel, let them be anathema, let, let them be cursed, let me be cursed. It's all about what the Lord says. It has to be from the word of God. It has to be true. 
Colossians 2.3 says, In Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and that in Him you are complete. Beware, Colossians 2.8, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy or vain deceit. Right now, we are living in a, in a time that you can listen to every preacher just about in the world. And, and, and you cannot just listen. They are jumping out at you on your feed. One of your friends likes a, a, a post of, you know, and I'm just throwing out names, whether it's Joel Osteen or, or Stephen Furtick or John MacArthur, anyone. And if you, one of your friends likes that, then all of a sudden it shows up to yours. You're like, ooh, well, this must be good. No. It must not be good. It might be good. It might be true. And it might not. Even if this person usually says true, good things, it still might not be true. Everything, test everything and make sure it's from the Lord. Because the truth is, all of us preachers, all of us speakers, even with good hearts, we stick our foot in our mouth and we say silly things, especially if you take them out of context in a message. Sometimes I think, oh my gosh, if you took someone a little snippets of things I said, you could build a case that I'm a total heretic. Is it true? Is it from the Word of God? Are you willing to place your trust, your life, your eternal security in the hands of men, mere men? Let's trust in the words and the wisdom of, of the Creator and Redeemer. Let's look to the Word. Let's look to Him. You know, the gospel, the whole message, the good news transforms the cross as a symbol of, of terror, Roman terror and, 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 and a domination into a symbol of God's love and power. <coughs> Listen, I'm going to read this. The gospel transforms the cross as a symbol of Roman terror and political domination into a symbol of God's love and power. It shows that the power of God's love is greater than human love of power. That's, that's the cross. That's the message. It, it transforms it, and it's folly to the world. As you go in life, you need to understand this, and we're going to close. When you're talking with somebody who's an unbeliever, who doesn't know Christ, and you're talking about Jesus and the cross, it's folly to them. doesn't mean you should stop talking, but you need to understand they don't get it. Just keep talking and keep praying until God does the miracle. Because unless the Lord draws them, they won't be saved. Unless the Holy Spirit does something in conviction and woos them, they're not going to be saved. Your job, you, you can keep talking about it, but don't be surprised when they go, huh? Go, oh, yeah, that's right. You don't have to tell them. Don't tell, don't tell them this part. That's right. This is foolish to you. You, you know, oh, you can if you've got a good relationship, but, you know, this is foolish to you because they might go, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, the Bible says. But when you believe and you trust that it's true, it becomes, wow, I get it now. Do you remember that, that, that moment in your life? I get it now. Let's keep that hand up as we close in prayer. Heavenly Father, 
we get it now and we're thankful. God, we're thankful that, that what used to be foolishness to us is now recognizes the power of God for my salvation. The foolishness of Jesus dying on the cross is what sets me free from sin because He paid the price for me. That's what we celebrated in communion. God, I pray that each of us in here, that you would, you would help us to focus on the truth, on the words of the Bible, on the truth in the Word of God. Not be led by good-sounding preaching and good-sounding uh, oration, these, these preachers and these uh, philosophers, unsaved and saved, who have these great ideas and sound really good. God, let us not be led astray by them, but let us always test what the Word says and come back to the Word of God and stand true. There's a lot of things vying for our attention. We commit ourselves into your care and into the Word, and again, we thank you for salvation and the power of God in Jesus' name. Amen.